Next on the Well Up Sound, The Move and ELO. Oh, hello there. My name's Jeff Lim. And uh, I didn't have any auditions because I was a cheat and I sort of uh, founded the group. about the Jeff Linniverse, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. And which has got its tentacles in a lot of different arenas right. and, and like scenes right. and things like that. I mean, from from the move and Birmingham, uh, England, like early kind of psychedelic stuff all the way through to, you know, not only the Wilburys, but you have the vast constellation of traveling Wilburys related record records. Right. Kind of the sound of 1988 to 1991 in a lot of ways. Completely. Cloud nine was the first tape I ever owned. It was. Yes. The plot thickens. I mean, because, and then it goes all the way through to the Beatles reunion, which, which was a big event for a lot of people. Right. And the, re, the unearthed Free recordings. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to, we're going to get into it, but I think you do have to begin with the move. Birmingham, I guess, really. Birmingham. Right? It seems a, like a tough place. It, I mean, it produces. Let's some... begin in Birmingham, <laughs> shall we? Um, right. There's a lot of bands coming out of there, and they're all sort of cross pollinating. Mm -hmm. There's Jeff Lynn. The Ro Idol, Idol Race is his, Idol is, Race. Is his band. Yeah. Right. Which is he essentially the, the, you know, the main creative force in that? I believe. I've never actually listened to the Idol Race. Oh, really? I've never actually listened to that. Can the I play you one song? Yeah, of course. Uh, it's called Girl at the Window. Check it out. In the town lived a girl so fair. Her mother would not dare to let her anywhere. She was a lonely girl. John and Paul. Just that Beatles reference in there, um, you it's know, unabashed and corny, yeah. and you, you know, Beatles are are, are the uh, the spine for for this story a little Absolutely. bit, right? Absolutely, Absolutely, but well, you know, it's funny it, we when we we're thinking about it, the one of the reasons I suggested ELO is because we just recorded an episode on Cheap Trick, and um, the way I got into the move, yeah, 
was through Cheap Trick. Their so their version of California Man oh. on Heaven Tonight was like my was my favorite song outside of Surrender on there. And I thought this song's incredible. Right. And they say it's a move cover. Okay. So I finally unearthed the original version, which was for the longest time very difficult to find any records by the move. Is that on their last album? California Man was a single off of the it wasn't actually I don't it's think like it was an actually EP on or the last album they were releasing it's like a final sort of last gasp yeah and yes. it's and it's and it's a really a dry run for wizard is what it is but right. I mean I think we're getting way ahead of ourselves yes. the move starts with Roy Wood and Carl Wayne and a guy named Trevor Burton and they're recording some sort of some kind of like you know Sergeant Peppery types tunes I can see I can hear the grass grow Mm-hmm. Pretty heavy game. licks, though. Pretty heavy licks. Like r- the, there's riffs. Yes. Happening, and then Blackberry Way is like is kind of the great the one Penny Lane rewrite, right? That goes a place, right? But Jeff Lynne isn't involved until seventy, nineteen seventy, nineteen sixty nine. Third album, I think. I mean, it's worth. We should listen to Blackberry Way. Blackberry Way. Standard psychedelic. Yeah, it's got it's got like a drinking song vibe to it, right? With silly lyrics, that but but Roy Woods got this sinister thing with his voice. I mean, one right. of the first songs they released, I think, is called "Night of Fear," which is a good one. It's a great one. Yeah, I mean, it's I don't think the move doesn't interest me as the such until the Shazam record, which is which is excellent. It's worth pointing out um, that they uh, so this. Tony Secunda, the the manager, mm-hmm. um, basically pulled a lot of sort of rock and roll stunts to get them publicity. Oh, I've heard about what you're about to say. One of their singles, um, one of the covers, uh, <laughs> what was it? It's like they're photographed in... It's in- a cartoon postcard showing the prime minister at the time in bed with his secretary. And then the prime minister sued them for libel one and so all the royalties off the single which was flowers in the rain which is a huge single huge yes go to him him, which he then i think had it it went to um charity or or something but anyway they lost all this um but that was that was all suggested by this tony secunda guy he was promptly fired after that and then you know what happens after that Mm -hmm. They hired Don Arden. Do you know who Don Arden is? No. Don Arden is one another one of these Svengali uh, type Manager of types. managers, but he he managed two bands. He managed uh, the Move slash ELO, and uh, he managed Black Sabbath. Whoa! And he managed Black Sabbath to the extent that he had a, his daughter uh-huh. uh, named Sharon. <gasps> Married oh. Ozzy Osbourne, and that's Sharon Osbourne is Don Arden. Her real name is Sharon Levy or something like okay. that. But Don Arden, who was kind of semi-responsible for their success, but also for their demise, and he's sounds like just a bit of a bastard in every right. conceivable way, but almost like a rock and roll character of that that a scoundrel. Right, right. And kind of like you wanted to hire a scoundrel who would get you and get make sure you got paid. Right, that's what these guys did. 
but like when he died, I think like both Jeff Lynne and Roy Wood were kind of like, let's go dance on his grave sort of thing, <laughs> even like 40 years later. <laughs> oh, really? That but much that's Sharon bastard. Osbourne's father. That's amazing. So, ladies and gentlemen, it all ties together. So getting into like what clicked as far as sound goes, yeah. I hear Shazam and I'm like, holy mackerel. And it, it, it sounds contemporary almost. Yeah. I mean, that this, those heavy licks are even sort of heavier. Um, drums are, are powerful. The guitar is, is major. Um, Cherry Blossom Clinic Revisited kind of blew my mind. <laughs> Hello, Susie. Their version, like Roy had written the song. It had been a hit for the Amen Corner. Yeah. And then they do their own version, which is much better. And you can understand why there's a Sabbath link almost, because Sabbath is for from sure. Birmingham too. And um, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, the the music that they start to make around Shazam is heavy. Yeah, for sure. In fact, so uh, when the move finally went to the States, mm-hmm. they only had a couple shows and they opened for the Stooges in Detroit, which, you know, I think is probably as close a match. In the late 60s, the Stooges? Late, yeah, 69. I mean, this is like a, the beginning of the Stooges, so that's like heavy duty. That's a thing. Like yeah. They're really, um, you don't mess around with me. That's like no fun era Stooges. Yeah, yeah, I mean, exactly. They're, they're like right. punks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Playing the heaviest stuff anyone's ever heard at that point. Yeah. Um, and then, so after Shazam comes, it's pretty much a full lineup change. I mean, it's basically yeah, they kick out the other singers, yeah. and the only guy they keep we've 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 forgotten to even mention the <laughs> fact that they have a drummer named Bev Bevan, which falls in line with Mata Hoople's drummer. I mean, yeah, with uh, Dale Buffin Griffin, Buffin Griffin, Buffin Griffin, and uh, Bev Bevan <laughs> is there throughout it all. He is he is from the beginning to the end. He's still rocking. He's got this funny haircut. It's like a big like major swoop. <laughs> He's kind of a good-looking guy, and he's he's written a tell-all book, you know. Yeah. Um, but Bev, the Bev, 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 and, and you know what's funny? My dad and I were talking about this the other day. Is like, what is it about? Why was so much of this incredible music coming out of England? Uh, you know, at yeah. that period, because a lot of the American music was getting super airy and kind of lame. You know, before the LA sound really emerged, you, uh-huh. had, you didn't have quite as much going on, and you have these British bands like the Yardbirds or here you have the move, and uh, you know, I'm convinced it has to do something to do with the emotional suppression that goes on. You have you have these. Inter- I've I've listened to interviews with Bev Bevan mm-hmm. about look at the, the single Brontosaurus, which is as right. which is as much heavy metal as anything was at that point. And they're like, so so what did you go? Oh yes, we we, we decided to go a little bit heavier, and uh, that's in tune with our new things and we, our new materials. Really, this is super polite. Like you can almost hear the the tea china clinking. Right. And then you listen to it, and it's like this cacophony of wildness. And, yeah, yeah. And you see Roy Wood, what he looks like on stage at this point, and it's just this. It, he looks like it, Braveheart's army. <laughs> You know, he's coming down from the hills of Scotland with the face paint and the, you know, the long hair, and it's madness. It's madness. You are this is where it gets sort of as heavy as the move uh, gets, which uh, something like Turkish tram conductor blues. When Alice comes back to the farm, which exactly. sounds like a cheap trick song. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get to, yeah but yeah, I mean, uh, Tram Conductor, Turkish Tram Conductor Blues, which was written by Roy. <laughs> It's a clear like transition into from 69 to 70 mm-hmm. like the this is a heavier <clears throat> different sound and it's um it's fantastic and lynn is on that song i think because that's on the yeah. looking on album which has got like a bunch of songs that are like eight minutes long but right. they, they maintain the heaviness and then you have um the final record that they do is message from the country right which is pretty and, awesome and that's around the time they record california man right Message from the Country is a Lynn song, and it's a great song. It's a great song. Duya's on that. Yeah, early version of Duya. Which, for my money, I think it's, I mean, I really enjoy listening to it. It's nothing, nothing not to enjoy, I think. eccentric guy Mm -hmm. and jeff was not as eccentric as roy Mm -hmm. but um on that record they've got some of these straight ahead rock and roll songs still the heaviness but they also do like some elvis pastiche stuff and some kind of weird things but the tunes the singles they're releasing they release a song called tonight chinatown ella james yeah these songs are they're They're i think they they create yeah they're all whoppers that's it's um, and then, yeah, you're always going to sort of get, I, I think both with Jeff Lynn and with Roy Wood, there's this, this love of sort of, you know, Big Bopper and, and Chuck Berry, old school rock and roll as well. So that stuff gets that filtered in. Yeah. They clear, they bonded over that. Like yeah. That kind of shuffling, uh, fifties, almost, you know, Greece type music. Right. But so at the same time, I think pre Lynn in the move, um, Roy Wood is already sort of developing this idea of ELO mm-hmm. of you know w- what would happen if if the Beatles were still going what would be sort of the, the the next stage and bringing orchestration into it and Jeff Lynn is sort of talking about him listening to what's on the radio in like 71 mm-hmm. and it's all you know extended guitar solos and seven minute long songs and he doesn't want to do he wants to stand out yeah and he says he also can't play the guitar that well so like (laughs) it works out well it works out so they sort of head down this this um you know violin and two cellos experimentation basically so that's happening at the so end of the move there's 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 a a lot lot of of overlap there's overlap and there's sort of um label politics um involved so at the uh, message from the country 
So they've they've sort of put their old label behind. They've got a new label with message from the country, and they're sort of ready. The three of them, Bevan, Wood, and Lynn, are basically ready to make ELO, but the label is like, we need another move album to sort of make up our money. Mm Mm-hmm for name recognition. So they make message from the country at the same time as they make, um, no, no answer. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of, I mean, you could essentially draw songs from both those albums, kind of put them together and you've got, I think you would have 72, actually, right? I think you'd have an unbelievable record. Yeah. If you basically put the 10:05:38 right on message for the country, took off a couple of the rinky dink songs, threw on a couple of singles. Yeah, you'd have a solid. You have album. an incredible record. Yeah, most of no answer kind of blows. there i think it's a successful experiment that song yeah i really like um first movement too that's there's no vocals there but it's it's just sort of a fun sounding song and like roy for a lot of that was like overdubbing all of the woodwinds himself i think that's (laughs) which i mean we'll get into boulders if you want because i i um i've fallen in love with that album songs of praise yeah oh that song dear lane what a doozy um but, but yeah, so the so, story's just beginning, though. Still, I know. So, so they try to do shows, <laughs> the three of them, and I think it's basically chaos because Roy Wood is is wanting to do it all himself live, and I think it's kind of a shit show. Yeah, the the I was reading. There's articles that have come out about what exactly happened. So they end up splitting after some disastrous shows because there's no pickups on any of the cellos, and Roy <laughs> is running around the entire time trying to play different different sort of lead <laughs> with again looking lines. like this. You know, sort of like caveman with like white face paint and and you know bows in his hair i mean like, you got ki- kisses coming out of that no question oh for sure i think i think is guar like the heavy metal band yeah, that yeah, dresses yeah, right. like you know like you know demons yeah, that, yeah. that's what i think because yeah. he's and yet he's playing most of the time as well in wizard like he's playing sort of like 50s rock and roll on steroids yeah and yet he looks like this the heaviest heavy metal person you've ever seen yet right. he did write brontosaurus right but before that i think don arden the story goes and what lynn how lynn is explains it today is that don arden realized he could make more money if but these guys were doing separate things and he was managing them both and so he kind of split them up oh really and that's how lynn says it i mean they're still sort of acquaintances today uh, okay roy, roy and jeff i wish they could have worked it out but at the same time you would have never gotten yellow as it as it becomes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Without it being just basically the work of one dude. Yeah, I mean, they are so sort of starkly opposed. I mean, Roy Wood is kind of a tornado. 
and he's always wanting to do something different and the sound is always sort of jumbled sometimes within the song or track to track and lynn is pretty consistent you know like almost right? too consistent yeah exactly so uh, i think it's worth talking about boulders which is roy wood's solo album which starts with this song song of praise um which, which is going to be the Eurovision uh, track that apparently Cl- they made Cliff Richard record it, <laughs> and it was like it got the least amount of votes you could possibly get. <laughs> I mean, it blew. So I only just heard it last week for the first time, and I've been listening to it five times a day, every day since. It's so hooky, and it has a, a chorus basic. Oh, so we should also mention that um, Roy Wood plays. Uh, with the exception of one person on one track, uh, he plays everything on this album. This is when that was not being And done. the vocals. And... This is pre-Rundgren, like by a year or so. And he also drew the cover to the album. Right. <laughs> Which is not, not a great feat when you see the cover, but yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's still... He did it. <laughs> um, all right, so Songs of Praise. Like uh, when the backup vocals come in, not only is it an amazing tune, it really is. But when um, and it's just you're right, it's hook after hook after hook. When these chipmunk type overdubbed Roy Woods come in, and you get the sense he's doing like almost like a Life of Brian, like right. It's exactly <laughs> it's like like you a, can imagine. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, Monty Python animations going over top this, and it's like, wait, what is going on here? And it's a it's this sort of demented gospel song that is it pro gospel? I don't is know. it anti? <laughs> always tried to understand the good books had its day you know like we're gonna do it better no more but yeah uh and you know whatever roy's on about it's he's giving it everything he's got and he's created he you can hear the eccentricity of this man kind of closing in on itself a little bit it's one of the reasons i really enjoy him because he's such an eccentric yeah clearly Mm -hmm. and you know he goes on to i don't know did you ever listen to his album mustard Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, the uh, red cars keep following me. Oh. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't go totally off the tracks. I haven't listened while. to Mustard. There's no. an album called Mustard, which is unbelievable, and uh, Wizard, too. So he goes off from ELO and he decides to start Wizard. He takes a couple of the guys. Wizard. Wizard. I don't know me. that it's pronounced that, but that's the way it's spelled. Don't which, go look, it's trying to spell just plain Wizard oh, when yeah, there's two Z's me. to be had. You have, and you have him playing, I think he would get like. 
he tr- was trying to do Phil Spector wall of sound, but on steroids. So he'd get like instead, we were, Phil would have two drummers playing, and like he'd double up the bass, and you know the he'd have like three uh, saxophones playing the same line. Roy had four drummers and like <coughs> six guitars playing the same line. Right. And a- apparently, like to record their one song, Angel Fingers, it took it took like three months to record because there was like 50 people playing. And the songs sound enormous. Enormous. I happen to really love them. But then he releases a record called Wizard's Brew, uh-huh. which is like all extended jazz stuff. I mean, it has nothing <laughs> to no do with the There's no consistency. And then also there are tracks like that sort of 70, 71 move stuff, which is like heavy guitar riffs. Like um, amazing stuff. But a good example, I feel like, of the wall of sound stuff is See My Baby Jive. Yes. All these songs are great, but it's kind of also where Roy Wood's story doesn't end there, but it doesn't it doesn't continue in the way Jeff Lynn's does. No, I would say that his album Mustard is a masterpiece. The second Wizard record called Eddie and the Falcons, which is like nothing but fifties pastiches. There's some incredible song. There's a song uh, song on there. Um, the story of my baby, which is really, really great, mm. and my favorite of the Wizard singles is called "Rock and Roll Winter," which was released in the spring because they <laughs> couldn't finish it in time. And so apparently, the the the, the forty five comes out. It says "Rock and Roll Winter," and there's like an asterisk under it, and it says, "Sorry, uh, spring wouldn't fit the rhyme." Uh, dash Roy, sorry about that. And like, oh, it's God. an unbelievable song. Um, but they kind of then he tries to morph him into like a jazz rock thing. Yeah, he gets involved with Annie Haslam, who's the um, singer from Renaissance, who's got a six octave range, and they <laughs> produce a, an amazing record called Annie in Wonderland. Oh, There's man. some good songs on there. I can't wait. There's uh, he does a couple other solo records, but by and large, it becomes a different band too, right? Wiz, the Wizzo Band, the Wizzo Band. Okay, possibly going from an amazing name for a band to a terrible <laughs> name for a band with only a couple of letters oh i'm gonna go see the wizzo band play oh, as opposed to like wizard formerly wizard oh man it sounds like a devolution it but really is the record company like rejects a couple of albums meanwhile meanwhile we got elo 2 mm-hmm. which i think is kind of unremarkable i mean is there anything in old england town's kind of a weird track yeah i mean they've got a really long version of roller beethoven which is kind of it, it it's dated okay. 
I, you know? Is there one? Yeah, that's it. That, no, that's kind of like the around one this time. Showdown comes out. Boom. Recording with Mark Bolin of T Rex. Really? He plays guitar on Ma 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 Bell. Really? Which is on the, on the third day, which is the next. This is the, the records are coming fast and furious. Between right. 71 and 73, there's three records at least, maybe four. And that's on the third day has, is where you start hearing the hits that you know, you know. You start hearing the hits, but for me, for me personally, Lex, the, uh, the magic. To the extent that there's some magic, is um, it doesn't start until El Dorado, right? And so, I mean, a great way to segue into El Dorado is album covers, um, going from <laughs> the American version of On the Third Day, we which did. is shot by Richard Avedon and features the whole band, um, like pointing attention to their belly buttons yeah. for some unknown reason like but what the is British going version on version of it is like the earth with a huge lens lin head, head above it in another sort of monty python-esque thing it's like who are they trying to reach here with either of these covers I don't know um el dorado you have this sort of uh wizard of oz the dorothy shoes right with the, um now I'm going to play a song before we talk about uh, this called Poor Boy. It's one of my favorite songs cool. of theirs. Here we go. This is what I want to get into, honestly, okay. about ELO, and it's what has been sort of like turning me inside out as I listen to this stuff, which is Jeff Lynn's sort of insecurity about his his voice. I, I don't know if it's insecurity about his voice or sort of a, a preoccupation with the overall sound. You know, he's producer on all these ELO albums, mm -hmm. um, and he... he it's sort of half and half. He'll push his, on many of these huge songs, he'll push his vocals down and bring the orchestration up. And in, in the case of this song, 
his vocals, I mean, his, his voice is tremendous. And when he really leans into it, it's so amazing and so moving. And I just feel like it's missing from, from so many other tracks and it kind of drives me <laughs> crazy. And by the eighties, he, he, he strips it away. He becomes a little more earnest. I mean, there's also this flip flop between, um, songs of they're just simple hooky pop songs. And then sometimes he'll, he'll come through with some really earnest stuff. But man, when I hear vocals like that, I just get yeah, floored. He, he like goes into the sort of operatic stuff, right? He was one of the original people to use a vocoder and use it liberally. Mm hmm. Um, but he's he's doing he'll do like pastiche with his vocals or where you can't get the sense he's maybe joking a little bit right with the opening over earnest and you're like a little insecure and then he'll he'll like bury himself in backup vocals right. um, I agree I don't think it's a voice I think one of the reasons one of the things you run into with the LO the one of the reasons why they're a hard band to love is I don't think he has a voice that connects on the level of um of Robin Zander or a, um, I, I think Roy Wood actually has a more connective oh, for sure. voice. I happen to really love what Jeff does. Yeah. And I think there's the moments, there's a, so many high moments, but when you hear a Roy Orbison singing behind a Jeff right. Flynn track, you're dealing, you're in a different emotional space. Right. Register almost. Right. Right. Sometimes these are just simple hooky pop songs and there's there's nothing more to be had than this is for a joyous moment, you know. This is yeah. for like lifting your spirits. Um and that's and that's that. And this is what we discover with ELO. They're more as hooky and memorable as a lot of the choruses are. They're actually ultimately more about a sound mm -hmm. than any particular song. Although there's Mr. Blue Sky and Turn to Stone and we'll continue talking about the records, but I think that with Lynn the lyrics almost always feels like he's written them quite quickly. Right. And those are not, that's so clearly not the um, focus of his energy. Right. Um, no, it's the production. It's I mean, the production. absolutely. I mean, he's, he's putting his heart and soul in the overall sound. Um, he loves recording. Right. Right. And that's what he says in every conceivable interview. Right. I think, I, uh, so here's a little quote from him. Uh, I was reluctant to become a real, this is when, this is jumping ahead a little bit after El Dorado past face the music, which I do want to talk about, um, to, um, out of the blue and when they really skyrocket, but he's saying, I was reluctant to become a real rock star. I was shy and was always told not to get a big head. And my favorite thing in the world was to work 14 hours a day in the studio. Everything else was peripheral to me, like having the record out and promoting it. I did have a big house but I didn't do rock star things. I never saw myself like that. I was a songwriter, singer, and producer. Rock stars are different. They dress all flashy and hang out in nightclubs. That just wasn't my priority. I liked spending my spare moments at the pub. Mm. I mean, that's... Right? That's the guy. That's a little bit of... Uh, Roy Wood would, would, was into the flashiness. Right. But also, he clearly didn't have the constitution for the populism but yeah that's the guy and that's sort of who we're who we're dealing with here because i think el dorado um one of the funny things about elo is their classic period a lot of people would say is from 1974 to about 1981 or even 79 and i think that the bookending albums are as albums the strongest mm. that is to say el dorado and time 
Those are my two favorites. Okay. I love everything that came in between, but mm-hmm. it's almost like one huge album came in between because there's, yeah. there's a little, there's some difference. You get a lot more disco stuff towards discovery. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the funk. Um, you get more of the sort of short uh, beetle stuff on Out of the Blue. Um, but it, there's a sameness. Mm-hmm. And which is kind of odd because when you it's, it has to do with the sound rather than the songwriting because when you listen to the songs they're always going someplace interesting. There's a lot of dynamics to the songs, right? right. But the 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 sound itself is so unmistakable. That right. That is where this a little bit of the sameness comes from. Right. And so El Dorado really sort of kicks it off. I mean, they're they're in a groove by that point. They're really onto what that sound is, um, and it evolves with Face the Music. I mean, um, Face the Music has strange magic. Uh, huge it's I mean huge right I I was really impressed by Waterfall Play it and you listen to it. It's like there's tons of emotion there. Right, it's there. I mean, he's. I know he's going through heartache. I think didn't they get accused of uh, having satanic messaging, like sort of yeah, think, uh, backwards. Uh, face the what's it called? Um, face the music, or is it Fire on High? Fire on High is the one. Which he's is so funny when you listen to the, stuff. You listen to all the music that could possibly be seen as a, a threat uh, to sort of family <laughs> values. ELO is just not it. Anybody who can write a song. And I would say something else backwards has got to be some kind of genius, and that I ain't. <laughs> I always think it's funny that we, when ELO, you have uh, Sweet Talking Woman and uh, Evil, Evil woman. woman. I thought that there was also a third Devil Woman song, but there may it's, be. it's actually um, it's off the brand new one, and it's not Devil Woman. It's something like, uh, you know, uh, Dirty Dirty Woman, Dirty to the Bone, or something <laughs> like that. I was like, he's really. He's, he's got I think late... they're just easy. So that's his story about Evil Woman is like that took him six minutes to write. He yeah. like on Face the Music, he felt like there wasn't a hit really on that album. I mean, uh, a Strange Magic maybe surprised him, but Evil Woman is, is the hit. And he was like, we need a hit. So he's like, uh, I'm just going to, yeah, I'm just going to pull it together in six minutes. And there it was. Yeah. I mean, the, he's becoming like a craftsman. He's becoming a, uh, a New World Record. You have telephone line which is another huge song live and thing and you have their re-recorded version of do ya 
Right. Which is, I think, stronger than the Moves version. Um, though I like them both. Yeah, I like them both. Um, <laughs> I don't. Again, I don't love any of those songs. Right. But I, There's I ro- like them a whole Rockaria lot. or Rock Aria. You know, all these pun. Ro- uh, Disco Berry yeah. is going to be the album coming up in a little bit. I mean, when you have um, out of the blue around, I think it's. Oh, by the way, we have it to mention that around New World Record, you have this, the logo, which is kind of right. the final piece of the puzzle, which is when it becomes this spaceship. Designed by something called Kosh, just a one word. Maybe that's a. Is that a, the designer? It's uh, before that. I think Hypnosis had done a bunch of their record covers, but yeah, it's oh. Kosh uh, designs this logo, which has kind of become this '70s, you know, almost like Boston foreigner type. Right. Of, which always made me think ELO was more in that vein, and they're Did actually they sort not. of snatch that? Did ELO basically, you know, make the mold? Uh, I think kind of they, stuff. I think they kind of made the mold that for it. I mean, sense. you have New World Record, which is seventy-five, I think seventy-six, right. and uh, then out of the blue, of course, is the double album. It's got Mr. Blue Sky, which is probably the most well-known song. In fact, when I was originally getting into them, after mm-hmm. the uh, the Cheap Trick got me into the move, it was. Mr. Blue Sky being in every single advertising campaign. I was like, what is... I kept hearing the song. I was like, is this the Kinks? What is this? Mm. Right. Thank you. Thanks very much. We're going to be doing some of our new album for you tonight, and it's going to be accompanied by a laser beam show, which we believe is the first time a laser beam show has been used on TV. What about that? Discovery is where they get more disco, d- disco very, and right. I really like. I would love to play Last Train to London. Do it because it's got this. They, they add a sort of an element of funk to it. <laughs> Disco gets a bad rap in, you know, in general, um, but it's really sort of a testament to Lynn as this sort of uh, noodler and 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 studio man um, that he just enjoyed this medium. He was like, "Oh, this is new. This fits, um, and I'm just gonna have fun with it." And that's that. Yeah, he did. He didn't have any hangups about it. No hangups. <laughs> Or artistry, even. I mean, he was just following his. He was. He was trying to perfect his craft. He right. he releases a solo single in the early '80s called "Doing That Crazy Thing," which my brother, who's a DJ and a disco DJ, mm-hmm. is obsessed with it, says that's a real favorite in that crowd. And if you listen to the song "Doing That Crazy Thing," it's bonkers. I mean, it's really? it's every little 
early keyboard trick with a you know a syncopated beat. Right. It's it's funny. I think he's even trying to create a dance move. Right. With the song, which is not ELO's mo. Xanadu. Yeah, I mean, I, it's it was huge for him for ELO. I mean, um, you know, the Olivia Newton-John vehicle, Gene Kelly's final film. Uh, I think so. <laughs> I it's a shame. <laughs> but the song Xanadu is amazing. And well, apparently I think he did it because he because he wanted to meet Olivia Newton-John. Which I mean, look, she's great on that track. Um, it's a hooky, awesome song. Um, you know, his big thing is is that you know the album sales you know far exceeded uh, uh, tickets to the movie. So like, forget about the movie. Just just listen to the listen the soundtrack. To a million lights, Sasha. I mean, what a great, what an amazing, a shimmering. He, his music just shimmers. I it think really does. I want to play a song. Ooh, I do want to talk about uh, "Don't Bring Me Down." I, finally, one of those sort of um, you know. Uh, Things you've been singing forever and never knew what it was um, was was solved for me. Uh, he's talking about uh, "Don't Bring Me Down." He says this one I made in the studio and I play all the instruments. Uh, it starts with a drum loop from another song that I sped up. I then compressed the shit out of it. When I was singing it, there was a gap in the vocals, so I just sou- shouted out "Grus." It was a word that came to my head. The engineer said that it meant greetings in German, which I thought was lovely, and decided to leave it in. When I went on stage with it, everyone would just sing Bruce. I just ended up singing Bruce as well. It's amazing. I mean, that's perfect. It's perfect. You know, and and when you, a lot of the stuff I've read about ELO, I mean, one thing that's underlined is that he could write these songs incredibly quickly. Yeah. That the real artistry was in the studio. Uh-huh. And that like he w- went out of the blue was written in like two weeks at a Swiss chalet or something like right. that. And, uh, you know, he, the lyrics were chosen for how they sounded. And that's just an amazing story of it. God. And he's just playing with, he's, he's a person who's singularly interested in something. And I always respect that. <laughs> it's and, so good. And in time he's back though, to trying to make this concept record. Right. And you have a song on there like uh, twilight, which is incredible. It's about, I mean, but to me, the song I, I play off of this record and I was actually playing at, guess? at a party recently and it stopped traffic. I had three people ask me, what is this? What is it? Ticket to the Moon? No, I love Ticket to the Moon. It's this one, people. It's called Another Heart Breaks. Oh.
I mean, that song, in fact, I wish I could keep playing the rest of it because it, it really, it sounds like a soundtrack that, you know, uh, Jan Hammer listened to and was like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to do everything from Miami Vice from this one yeah. song. Yeah, And uh, But it's, I think it's, it, 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 this, the album holds up time. It does. It's fun. I, I You know, Here Is The News is also just a fun track but it upholds this this concept all the way through ticket to the moon is a great song some nice little nuggets of of you know the lyrics can crack you up at times but it's again it's it's all uh buoyed by by this sound the sound and you know people don't realize that on uh so the elo is really the work of jeff lynn but then bev bevan is there the whole time but there's this one the third player in elo is a guy named richard tandy who did right. a lot of the keyboard stuff and then we got to uh we've got the piano richard tandy who plays uh, very very uh, difficult pieces of music on his keyboards so he's very very clever he's very clever yeah because he, he plays four keyboards at once he plays yeah, one with each hand, one with his foot, and I ain't telling you what he plays it along with. Yeah, but Tandy went off with a guy, another guy who'd been playing on the in the touring band. I think his name's Richard Morgan, um, or something Morgan. And they formed the the Tandy Morgan Band, <laughs> and they released a sci-fi, like a one-off sci-fi concept record called Earthrise, which uh-huh. is oh awesome. Okay, that's we should. Play. Okay. Don't you think we should play that? You, oh, yes. You sent that to me, and it blew my mind. It's, I had no idea that there was a, that strong of a link with the LO. Yeah, and I think Lynn clearly was helping them a little bit, like, um, or maybe maybe they didn't need him his help. But um, that record's amazing, and it's yeah. it's like an extension of of time. <laughs> And that's that's part of the same universe, right? True, clearly, I didn't realize that. I thought they were just sort of, you know, rip-off artists, basically. The same, no, it's this the is the same people. Yeah, and I'm probably using the same equipment. You got to think, because like ELO yeah. stops really with um, Balance of Power, the Balance of Power record, which has that great song "Calling America" on it. Yeah, I also liked uh, um, "So Serious." Oh, you that's that a great. Song? Yeah, I do know that song. I feel like that. So that is like 86 six yeah. right um i'm People sure are no he, longer listening to elo at this point right i mean at that point they're probably the word laughable i would Passe. think of that yeah yeah yeah. he's got um, like a high top at this point like his, his whole haircut looks very different right 
<laughs> Evaluating ELO by the hair, the Jeff Lynn cut. You still you? can't see his chin. Yeah, exactly. Worry. He's still wearing sunglasses. Um, but that song sounds like something that sort of is indicative of Cloud Nine, which comes next. Eighty-seven. Like, but I want to say one thing before we talk about Cloud Nine because we are. This is like Jeff Lynn is someone who I think has had like one of had one of the more significant second wins. Yeah. In w- wind, like uh, uh, wind that blows. Um, in pop history because you had this enormously successful period for ELO. Mm. But, you know, by the time the 80s rolled around, not only did people, uh, those songs, you almost forget that they existed. Something about that sound is tuned out. Like when he tries to tour the band in like the early 2000s, no one comes out and wants to hear right. them. And not because those songs haven't done well. It's just because no one no one had this deep loyalty to that band because they were slightly anonymous, it, right. almost in a Pink Floydian way, but no one people feel very strongly about pink floyd right but during this time the early 80s he's also becoming he's he's really becoming a producer for other people and he produces an, an and a songwriter an incredible song uh on the everly brothers reunion record called the story of me okay it's a great song he produces the one of the great singles off of Agnetha Falskogs from ABBA. Oh, yeah. Her first solo record is a song called One Way Love, and he writes and produces it. It's, it's awesome. And Dave Edmonds, too, right? Dave Edmonds. He's working with Hank Marvin, I think, from The Shadows. He's starting to work with these people, but then he gets the call of all calls, and it's from George Harrison. Yeah, so George Harrison um, had sort of tuned out music-wise, I think, for that stretch of the 80s. Yeah, he, he had handmade films, and, and yeah, he did Time Bandits, and uh, I don't probably everything. He did Life Terry of Brian. Gillum was was doing. Um, well, oh yeah, right. He did, Lex, if all he did was Time Bandits, that would be enough. But it, <laughs> sure enough, <laughs> um, strike me down. Yeah. Um, Right. So, but, but George at this point is, is sort of ready to come back and he taps Jeff Lynn to, to do so. And they do, they're on vacation in Australia and they do, uh, I think the first thing they work on when we was fab. Which is a great song. Back then, long time ago when grass was green. sounds like Jeff it sounds like ELO doing the Beatles you know one thing I forgot to say about one of the things about his voice it's to me it always sounded like all four Beatles singing at once mm. like you know that song because on Abbey Road where they're all harmonizing at mm-hmm. once um, even Ringo's on that mm-hmm. uh, harmony it sounds 
it doesn't stand out in that way and it sounds almost like it's a harmony with itself yeah but here you have him doing you know the got my mind set on you right uh he's uh you know big big hits off of that record mm-hmm. um, when we was fab is one of the better songs but i mean i like this is love this is love cloud is nine song. i love cloud nine is a great song i mean there's very little on that record he did a song called cheer down with him for uh i think it was like for lethal weapon or something but it's an amazing tune that tom petty wrote and this is where like he and george are dream- sitting around one night and they're talking about hey well let's form let's a just band. Make a group like who do you want to be in the band uh, let's invite Bob Dylan. Okay. <laughs> let's invite, who else do you want? Oh, I like Roy Orbison. Yeah. Oh, who else? Oh, well, Tom Petty's around. Let's invite him. Yeah. And that's how it happens. And that's, and they call the guys and all of them say yes. Right. And they do, uh, uh, handle with care. They record in Bob Dylan's garage. It was supposed to be cause. a B side to one of the cloud nine tracks. Right. And that's as close to a perfect song as I know. Let's play it. I don't think that song ever comes on and I don't want to listen to the whole thing. Yep. On top of everything being wonderful about that song, you then have Roy Orbison. (laughs) (laughs) who I guess people had kind of forgotten about at that point too. Yeah. So actually I was thinking about this when, uh, you know, when we were talking about Glenn Campbell, we sort of talked about that sort of revival trend of, of a producer picking an old favorite. Um, And, you know, Rick Rubin and Johnny Cash comes to mind, but really... Roy Orbison was, you know, six, seven, eight years before American Recordings, and that last album you is phenomenal. Mystery Girl. Um, oh, she's a mystery to me. That's, That's a Bono song, but man, that it might be one of the me. best Bono songs ever written. Yeah, agreed. But I mean, you got it. The uh, yeah, I mean, let's just say the the line um, I've been robbed and ridiculed in daycare centers and night schools. Handle me with care. That to me says that that's clearly George is writing part of that, yeah. and and Dylan, you can hear him in there too, and uh, they're they're trading lines. Apparently, they just wrote it's George's song, but they wrote the lyrics. They just sort of spitballed them, and that entire record, to me, is is close to like joy. 
It's yeah. like joy in the grooves, which is so such a hard emotion to capture. Um, of these guys who seem to genuinely like each other, there was something about the freedom of being together in these adopted names. There, there was no for such huge superstars to have such little ego in mm-hmm. it. They're like, hey, now you sing a line. Now you sing. Hey, let's do one of your songs. Yeah. It seems to me there's something deeply infectious about, especially about that first traveling Wilburys record. It's yep. like a supernova that. Um, unleashes all of this energy that pours over into full moon fever. Yep. Where Harrison's on almost all of that record. Right. Ringo's on that record. <clears throat> you have Del Shannon's record Rock On, which is incredible. And Jeff There's Lynn. Armchair Theater, which is... Armchair Theater is great. Is great. And finally, it's that thing that I wanted from ELO it, back in the 70s, you know, when I'm listening to those albums, which is his voice and his lift emotion. Me lift me up. And uh, you, you finally get it there, and it's 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 a pleasure to drink in, really. Yeah, I mean, during this time, he's it is it is a pleasure. There's something you it, infectious is the only word for it. Um, it's it's at this point he's almost like almost uh it's like branded a certain sound with the gated drums mm-hmm. and the really bright acoustic guitars. Mm-hmm. Um, and the close vocals, but you have the those Tom Petty records, which I've never been that big of a Tom Petty fan. I oh, still love that. Those two albums are uh, so. Um, I won't back down. And and uh, into the great wide open into comes the great wide open. after, and that's a phenomenal Learning album. Learning to fly, yeah. Um, the Johnny Depp song. <laughs> that's that's what. I, <laughs> um, the best thing I read about what he says about that period is is he says. Um, I should have done this years ago, <laughs> which is so great because it's kind of like, ah, it this is what I w- was always meant to do. Yeah, you know? because he doesn't have the same personality as the other guys in the band. But like, listen to the num- the um, Tweeter and the Monkey Man. It's one of the best Dylan songs ever. <laughs> and it's like Dylan making fun of himself. Yeah. And it's and You're Not Alone, uh, it, the, the, the version that Roy Orbison does, is yeah. as moving as anything. There's footage of them recording that. And like the guys... Roy Orbison was clearly their hero, including Dylan, and like all of them are like crying. Right. But it it puts a lie to the fact that all great art is born out of suffering. A lot of it is. Yeah. But here you have this is joyous, joyous, and you have fun. Yeah. No, for sure. It's hard. 
but it's like the creativity right. that it's that the fun is sparking. You just don't see it in a lot of places. I just feel like it, I wish you could capture that. Traveling Wilburys Three is sort of where it ends. Yeah. Um, but it's this. We got so much out of that. When people think it's just one Traveling Wilburys record, and that's a record I would say that I love. Yeah, for sure. Capital L, capital O V. Oh, totally. Well, it also it just gives you everything. You know, uh, to your point, you've got uh, George Harrison writing lyrics. You have Bob Dylan writing lyrics. You know, where the sort of uh, void was in the '70s ELO stuff. You now everything is enriched. Yeah. You know, and and it's just full. But then you got the Roy the Roy Orbison record, and you got it. Yep. And uh, you know, Pretty Woman. Yeah. Um, so. So we're getting close to the end here. Yeah. What well, would do you want to do? Um, top, top five. I mean, let, I have top five. Let's do it. I got top five. Uh, how about this? Let's do a top five uh, ELO, okay. and then we'll list off some move slash essentials essentials from the move and maybe the post Lin uh, Lin products the Liniverse the Liniverse. Okay, so that's its own five. Yeah. Why not? All right. Let's do it. Or we we we. Uh, We're making for, it up as we go. For me, I think um, uh, ELO, I'd say Poor Boy Into Mr. Kingdom. That's sweet off of Eldorado. I think it's about as good as that got. Um, I love Another Heart Breaks off of Time. Last Train to London is there at Xanadu. Mm. And if I had if I had a sixth pick, I'd probably put um, Mission, a world record off of uh, a, a new rec- a world record. That, that song Mission, which has so many different parts and that vocal stuff where he's just making jokes almost. And, right, um, right. I kind of like, if, if I want to go to that sound, that's where I go. I'd go with Showdown because that's sort of the f- the first one that ever got me, mm-hmm. you know, aside from, you know, all the catchy tunes. I'd heard Evil Woman and, and, and whatever else a, a thousand times, but Showdown was the one I was like, I like this song, you know? Um, so, uh, a waterfall was a discovery for me. I really enjoyed that. Um, uh, <laughs> jungle. I I, I had never no heard jungle. jungle, and this is a catchy goddamn song. <laughs> you know, like it's stupid. So it's basically Jeff Lynn goes to the jungle. <laughs> he walks into the jungle. Great idea for a song. He sees a bunch of animals dancing around in a circle. They're singing a song. He's like, what's this song you're singing? And they tell him what it means, that we're all on a blue planet that's spinning around in space, and it's a blast. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, well, I think I'll sing along. And that's it. But it's just so catchy. I, do you mind? Should, should we play it? Play, play Jungle. What's the record? Uh, out of the Blue.
A Secret Messages I also just got into. Mm. I really enjoy that There's album. There's a lot there. Um, but uh, I like um, Losers, Loser Gone Wild. Mm. Um, and then uh, So Serious. Those are that's a great that's a great five. It's kind of some wacky choices, but that's because everybody else knows all the other ELO songs. Songs, so you need sort of something fresh. I mean, because "Can't Get Out of My Head" is is a, like a, a perfect song, right? But but we don't need to sort of even mention it, right? Mr. Blue Sky, right? Mr. Blue you Sky, know all that stuff. Down. These are all great songs. For me, so if I'm gonna do the move for people, uh, I would say "Hello Susie" is on there. Mm. Uh, rock and roll winter. That's a that's more of just a Roy Wood Wizard song, mm-hmm. but I put it on there. Brontosaurus, I think, has to be on there just because it's so prototypical mm-hmm. and it's got such a great title. Mm-hmm. Um, Chinatown, it's got it's got all of his sort of Beach Boys vibe in it. And then um, I think uh, if I'm doing Roy, the probably would. Why does such a pretty girl sing such sad songs off of Mustard, which is a great song. I can't wait to listen to that album. Um, that would be or the rain came down on everything. That's a that's another. Where did this guy go? What's going on? How can you be that productive and that restless? Uh, maybe I wonder if something happened because he really stopped making new music in yeah. 1989 or something like right, that. Right, right. So, um, I would go with, uh, and you can expand it to the Linniverse. Yeah, so why don't I do uh, The Lady Who Said She Could Fly, which is an Idle Ray song that's really good. Um, I like What, that's on uh, Looking On. Yeah, it's a great one. Um, I like Do Ya mm-hmm. um, from that last Move album. Oh, do ya? Oh, do I. <laughs> uh, I like, um, gosh, just, I, I, I already played it, Songs of Praise. I just can't get enough of that, that Roy Wood song. Um, and then... The wizard stuff is is great, but I also I have to recommend that you listen to um, Red Cars. Red Cars are after me. (laughs) It is madness. I mean, maybe that's it. He disappeared because somebody in a red car picked picked Roy Wood up, and they never heard from him again. Well, given some of the uh, kind of I don't know, it's like eighty-eight or something, unchecked kind of stuff going on with his last couple solo records. You wonder if mental illness might have played a role. I would think so, uh, because this is getting pretty unhinged. Yeah, um, yeah. And then when you go to the the, I would say cheer down, handle with care. You're not alone. Uh, a couple of those um, uh, Del Shannon songs. I, I their name escapes me right now, but I also love the Ringo song he wrote and produced called uh, "Don't Go Where the Road Don't Go." Hmm. It's a good song. I bet his his work with Brian Wilson kind of was uh, squandered. I didn't. It was. Yeah, like I tried it. to get in there. Although he was, it sounds like he was around and recording when uh, the Doctor was the there. Darkness, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, the only one I uh, I would mention off Armchair Theater. I mean, it's all great, but I really like Save Me Now. Again, his that's vocals are song. like right up front. I mean, it's a uh, sort of Save the Earth song, but. Um, that's okay. We need that. Hey, hey man, <laughs> that's all good. Um, oh, I and just for its its uh, uh, closeness to the ELO world, um, and maybe we should send it out on this is Randy Newman's uh, "The Story of a Rock and Roll Band." Yes, right. Do it. Okay.
I'm 